This is the Horse Radio Network. Are we beating up our horses? This week, we're talking to the USCA's president-elect on why American eventing horses have such a short shelf life. Olympian Kyle Carter joins us, too, and has some tricks on what to look for when watching the pros whip around cross-country. Did you know Jon Snow of Game of Thrones can really ride? We didn't either. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniacka. Welcome to episode 46 of Heels Down Happy Hour. How are you doing, guys? Surviving. (laughs) This weather sucks. (laughs) Is it cold up there? No, but it just keeps raining. So much rain. Oh, no. Justine and I know we're south. Can't do it. No. Yeah. Lucky you. Every time we feel bad for you. I know. Every time (laughs) it's like either snowing or raining, Justine and I are like, nope, can't do it. Nope. So, how do you, like, how does that affect your ability to ride? Are your rings just like full of mud? Well, so I have an indoor. (laughs) That's nice. I'm I'm spoiled. (laughs) Yeah. So, my outdoor, I mean, my pastures are just full of mud and stuff. But so I try to. You know, I have a few that are barefoot, so I'm like, you guys can go in the muddy pasture, and I'm going to oh, put my, yeah. my sho- those with those expensive shoes, they're going to go up front. Mostly, it's just frustrating because it'll go from being like 55 degrees and then drop down to 42 by the afternoon, you know? <sighs> so I'm like constantly like wetting grain. I'm like, this is colic, like, season, oh, no. like, no tomorrow. So yeah. I'm like freakily monitoring them and my boyfriend's like you gotta calm down they'll be fine and I'm like I just no. gotta check them again <laughs> so no, you're right they're not going to be fine you just gotta keep checking yeah I'd be that manic too about it so this episode is brought to you guys by flare strips and I just did a great little video for you guys on Instagram about flare strips a couple weeks ago about how to apply them and stuff but they're some of our favorite stuff to use for cross country. And it really allows the horses to be able to breathe better and work harder. So basically you can use them at every level though, which is pretty awesome. So you guys should check it out and want to learn more about the health and performance benefits of flare strips, go to flarestrips.com. Okay. So I have a longer drink this week. Uh, it's a little involved, but I mean, you can always take shots while you're making it or something. So there's stuff to do. <laughs> But so this is from Kathy uh, in the Facebook group, and it's a bourbon ginger mojito. I'm not a big bourbon person, but this sounds really good. So for like one serving, you're going to need five leaves of fresh mint, two lime wedges, and then one ounce of ginger syrup, ice, two ounces of bourbon, three ounces of club soda, and then fresh mint and a lime wedge for serving. So you have to like make the ginger syrup and that'll be a cup of fresh ginger peeled and chopped a cup of sugar and then two cups of water so this is like some gourmet drink stuff like you gotta really be invested right yeah you you've gotta you gotta plan out okay i'm gonna have like you know 30 minutes to make this drink Okay. you know (laughs) i mean you you've gotta this is something you plan a week in advance you know i'm gonna get a little tipsy on Tuesday. So I'll get my ingredients (laughs) on Monday and, you know, see, this is one would be right up my alley. I would take the time and make this hundred percent. This is, I feel like I need to be, I need to be drinking while I'm making this drink to be prepared to drink this drink in an hour, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you're, I feel like you're being dramatic. (laughs) I feel like it's not that long. I feel like I'm going to cook it and I'll tell you how long it actually takes. And if it was worth it, because this sounds amazing. So, Ellie, what are the instructions? Okay. So, you have to combine the ginger syrup ingredients and then bring them to a boil. And then you have to lower it to a simmer and then cook it for 10 minutes. What? Yeah. So, it's 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes of quality drinking time. But anyway. It's fine. So, (laughs) you have to then strain it and then let it cool. Then you place the mint and one lime wedge in the bottom of a tall glass and you muddle it all up and add an ounce of ginger syrup. Add the second lime wedge and then muddle it up again. 
And then you top off the glass with the bourbon, the ice, and the club soda. Stir it together, and then you can add some garnish of your lime wedge and a few mint leaves. That sounds amazing. It does sound good, but I'd rather just And if you notice, no, you get to actually make more for multiple drinks. That's You're only using a little bit. So you're prepping it and then drinking the rest of the weekend, the rest of the week on it. I mean, it sounds like if you're if you're going to host like a party, like if I was having like a summer backyard party, I would make this the night before or something. But I'm just saying it's an investment of your time to do this. I'd rather just like pay $20, like an expensive drink at the bar. Like I would just rather buy it and have somebody else make it for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm still in that like college drink stage where I just kind of throw lots of stuff together. And if it tastes good, (laughs) you drink it. And if it doesn't, you chug it. Yes, I can't no. do that. I can't do that. That's I'm the terrible. age difference here. Like, I exactly. could go both ways. So. Yeah, no. my boyfriend always makes fun of me because I'll go to the bar and I'm like, I want, like, the sweetest thing you have. I mean, uh, personally, when I drink, I want to feel like I'm on an island. So. Oh, no. okay. And it'll be, like, the middle of winter. And I'm like, do you guys make pina coladas? They're like, we're in New York. Why would we make a pina colada? <laughs> I don't know. My dad lives in Key Largo, so I grew up on pina coladas. So I just, that's what I want all the time. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I have some exciting news for you guys. I'm not sure. It was exciting to watch for some people, not me. It was like heart attack. So this past couple weeks, we were at the fork for Van Diver's last outing with Doug before Kentucky. And I like was sprinting down. I was running everybody back and forth. And all of a sudden I like drive down there and they're like, your husband got off at fence three or four. And I was like, on cross country, on cross country. And I'm like, (laughs) This horse is like a cross-country machine. Like, we don't get off and, like, hang out and have a cocktail. Like, this isn't <laughs> what, what is happening. And so I actually, like, stole – now, I mean, I stole with permission an official's golf cart so I could, like, go out there because I was like, this isn't normal. Like, so the official was like, you go. Like, this is bad because I see him getting off. Well, for the second time, apparently, because they had, like, radioed it, and I couldn't see the first one. So I go, like, running out there, and – Doug's breastplate had broke and he got off, cut it with his buckle knife so that he could proceed to keep going because Justin will appreciate that with his buckle knife that was on him, proceeds (laughs) to keep going and the horse is like a tube, like it doesn't hold like anything, like it has to have a breastplate to jump, like as soon as you jump it, like the whole thing slides back and he proceeds to jump fence like 5AB Mm-hmm. And it slid, he jumped, he said two fences after two or three fences after he had cut it the first time. Cause it was like still kind of strapped over, but it had snapped weird enough in the middle of the elastic. It just, wow, yeah. And so it's like one of those things, like they're great breastplates. Like we still use them and they're awesome. But just as soon as they wear, Doug uses them as a neck strap and it's pulling on the shoulder. So it just snapped. So oh. he proceeds to keep jumping and the horse's saddle was like on the flank and he had to pull up and the video is horrible. Like you're like, this horse should have bucked you off. Like he's amazing. It's such a saint. Like, I love that horse. He's so sweet. He has like not a mean bone in his body. Doug's like, yeah, I don't think I can finish the course back here. <laughs> no, he I'm was going to have nightmares about this. <laughs> it was crazy. And the horse just, I mean, like he just happily loped over those giant fences too. Like, all right, hold on. You know what I mean? I mean, it was, it's pretty we'll, amazing. We'll post the video in the show notes for you guys, but it was one of those things. Like I'm flying out there. I, I think something's like bad. I mean, he doesn't stop at fence four. I mean, what else could be happening? And I get to him and I'm like, what happened? Like, and he was wearing his heart rate monitor. So I'm like, maybe that something like that. Like, I, I honestly didn't know. And so we go out there and he's like, the breastplate broke. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, he's like, and it's just only Van Diver wears that breastplate. Like we have everybody else wears breastplates, but he has sheep skin on his. Mm-hmm. So he can't like, no one else wears it. So Doug's like, you know what? That was an expensive breastplate this week because he was in really good placing. But he's like, at the end of the day, at least it did not happen at Kentucky. Like, at least it happened before because now he has a brand new breastplate and it's like reinforced and everything. So hopefully, like, we don't have another tack malfunction because that was terrifying enough for everybody. Like, Courtney was like about to sob. She thought like something was really bad. 
And oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it, it turned out to be the best case scenario, but that was my news for this week is like how everybody can have a heart attack about something as simple as like a breastplate breaking, but you didn't know. So it was, it was something. Are well, you sure? What a pony that he just like Van Diver seemed like totally okay with what was happening. You know, he just still kept he going. He would have cantered around the whole course probably with Doug on his butt. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that Doug doesn't want to, you know, take up vaulting? Like this is just like an elaborate so, scheme for Ellie him to doesn't try know it. This. Ellie doesn't know this. Doug vaulted as a kid. Yeah. No, he didn't. Yes. See, look, it makes sense now. <laughs> He was huh. trying to he was trying to turn Van Diver into a vault. Yeah, he was just testing it out. He's like, if he can handle this, then we can vault. <laughs> we could switch disciplines again. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. So right. Ellie, what do you have for us? I have an uplifting story for you guys. Okay. Um, so most of us already know about like the tragic deaths and the resulting closing of the Santa Anita racetrack in California. So you know, the racetrack and racing in general is not really in the best light right now. And for a good reason. But I wanted to share this story of the Australian thoroughbred Winx. Have you guys heard of her? Oh my gosh, she's amazing. She is totally amazing. Yeah, she's pretty spectacular. So she's seven this year and she's just kind of retired after her 33rd consecutive victory, which included a staggering 25 group one victories, which makes her the new international record champ. Fans are calling her the Usain Bolt of horse racing. And wow. she was even co-crowned the Longines Horse of the Year. Um, and was photographed in Vogue. So now we know it's official that she's super cool. Um, but she's just an incredible athlete. And it's just really nice to see, you know, record-breaking and excitement during this kind of really dark time in the racing industry. And I don't know. You guys should totally look at those photos. But she is a stunner. She's so. beautiful. I love me some dark bays. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great story, especially right now when horse racing sort of uh, with the California track issue. It's like nice to have like a bright, a bright, nice story. And while that industry kind of figures out their problems, you know. Yeah. And this is a horse that, you know, has been maintained so well, you know, and is happily going into retirement with like such an amazing career. So it's just that's awesome. Absolutely. What have you got, Justine? So are you guys Game of Thrones fans? I know, Jess, you're not, right? I'm not. I am, but I'm super behind. Like, I need to probably just start from the beginning and rewatch. So So no spoiler alert. How do you guys even, like, (laughs) browse the internet right now, having not been caught up on Game of Thrones? Because the entire internet this week is, like, only Game of Thrones stuff. I don't know how, I don't know how you function. I mostly just watch those like five minute craft videos on Facebook (laughs) and the recipes I'll never make. Like you'd be surprised what you can do with a hot glue gun. (laughs) It's amazing. So anyways, so I found this, this delightful story in the LA times this week, you know, there's been a ton of coverage about game of Thrones because the season finally started and the LA times wrote about this woman. Her name is Camilla Napross. I'm probably saying her name wrong. But she is a horse trainer, and she is responsible for pretty much almost all the horses you see on Game of Thrones. Wow! Um, yeah, and it's it's really a just a delightful interview with her and in her in about her business that she runs with her brother. And they're based in England, and they basically train and provide horses for a bunch of film and TV projects. So her horses have been in Wonder Woman and The Crown as well, outside of Game of Thrones. But so she talked a lot about what it's like being on the, you know, on set with the Game of Thrones cast and the crew and everything. And she talked a lot about Kit Harrington, who plays Jon Snow. And she said, unlike a lot of actors, he actually knows how to ride. So she said it's been incredible working with him because, you know, he's in a bunch of these like pretty hardcore battle scenes where they're like, you know, galloping with swords and stuff to fight each other. And he doesn't need a like a double, a stunt double, because he actually can ride. So she said it's pretty exciting to like watch the actor actually galloping on the horse, you know, with the army instead of having the doubles, which I think is pretty cool. That's super cool. Yeah, that's really do, cool. Do they say like what he did like riding wise before that or he just grew up riding? I, I actually have no idea. But she just yes. said she was very impressed. Yeah, happy that he see it. Yeah. And which makes me just like him more. I don't know. I think Jon Snow's a hottie. So the fact that I know he could actually ride a horse makes him even 
more appealing to me. So totally agree. Yeah. And he's always writing like, (laughs) like a big, dark Frisian, you know, beautiful, you know, giant, giant step galloping horse. So I don't mind watching him ride a horse and we'll link to this link to this article in the show notes. If you guys want to read more. And if you want to hear more from us, you should also subscribe to the Heels Down Brief. As we gear up for Kentucky next week, we are sharing interesting stories with Bruce Davidson in the brief all next week. So obviously he has his own statue in at the Kentucky Horse Park because he's just an incredible rider and he's won the Kentucky event so many times on top of, on top of gold medals at the Olympics. Everyone knows Bruce Davidson's a legend. So we have some really interesting, fun stories about Bruce that we're sharing in the brief, which you won't find anywhere else. So if you want to subscribe, you can do that at going to bit.ly slash HD brief. So Justine, I've been dying to talk to you. I heard that you got some of these perfect pillows by Draper Therapies and they have the salient in them. And I want to know what you think about them because I don't know anything about them. So I'm dying to... I know you've tried them and everything, and I want to hear your thoughts and see if Ellie's heard anything or used them or anything else. Yeah, so I just got a pair of Draper Therapy's Perfect Polos, and they're really unique. Like when I when I got them in the mail, I pulled them out. I was looking at them for a couple of reasons, but first to just describe what they are. The Perfect Polo is a combo bandage, so it has Draper Therapy's like special cellulant material made on the inside so I got I got the polos in white but there's a like a long strip of the polo that is black and that's the part that's soft and has the cellulant on the inside and then then it also it like the white part is the Saratoga bandage that you kind of wrap over the cellulant and that's what makes up the perfect polos and cellulant if you're not sure what that is it's an FDA approved fiber um, and it it's used to help increase blood flow and enhanced performance. So if you haven't heard of cellulant, um, Under Armour actually has a line of athlete recovery clothing. Um, I've seen it in sleepwear type clothing, like pajamas, like athletes athletes will wear the pajama pants and, and shirts that it's supposed to like increase circulation and keep your blood flow going. So like my horse, Mikey, he's off the track thoroughbred and he's, his legs have all kinds of wind puffs on them. Like they're not pretty to look at. And I noticed when I rode him in these perfect polos, the wind puffs were gone, like completely oh, wow. gone. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they do work. And, you know, when I'm riding him for like an hour, you know, it's not like it's a ton of time. Um, but, the, but they, they stay super secure with the Saratoga part of the bandage on them. They've got like some, so you wrap it with the, the cellulant part first and then you wrap and that's over it. thicker that's kind of more like a polo normal feel and then yes. the saratoga is at the very end yeah but it's all it's, one big polo like you don't exactly. have to do separate parts right it's all one length of material uh, yeah. but two different Why it's types. called probably the perfect polo because you don't have to have two separate things exactly yes. <laughs> that makes sense but i just they're... got that i was like that's why it makes sense <laughs> <laughs> But what I love about them is with the bandage part that goes over the cellulant part of the polo is it is so secure, like the most secure polo I've ever used, you know, instead of, you know, cause you know, sometimes polos get clunky and they get gross when it's, you know, muddy out in the arena. Like they are very secure. I, like they're definitely not too tight or anything, but they're just, they just hold their place. And there's but not- also you're not worried about sometimes if you've used a bunch of polos throughout time the Velcro kind of gets gross. And so you have to like really make sure that the Velcro is there. So it probably holds it better in place, I'd guess. Yeah. Like it is heavy duty. The Saratoga bandage on the outer shell is it's got like this grippy material on the inside that holds onto the cellulant part of the, Mm. of the polo. And they just stick and they're very secure and they're awesome. I, I really like them. And you said you, you got the white. I got the white. Yes. Does it stay pretty clean or do you have to like oxy clean it all the time? That's a good question. You know, so I rode in them a couple of times this last week and then I just brushed off, you know, the dirt and they kind of clean up pretty quickly, but I haven't washed them yet. So I don't know 100%. But Ellie, you've used them before, right? I have. And a lot of my friends who are into like the raining and stuff, like swear by them because of their durability, like you were saying, Justine. They use them for like their horses, like that are, you know, really intense spinners. And if they interfere in their front legs, because they won't get like stuck on each other and you don't have to worry about them coming loose. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I used them when I was a kid, like rehabbing horses. Like wh- if a horse had like a suspensory injury and we were bringing it back, we just loved the extra support that the perfect polos gave us um, instead of like a traditional polo or, you know, a boot or anything like that. Yeah. Cause a boot's not going to do much, but that's exactly. Hmm. But yeah, this is a type of technology. I think we're going to start hearing more about like, I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big deal that Under Armour is investing in it too. You guys might get me hooked. I've got to go on there and probably order a couple. Yeah. So if you're interested, you should go to Draper, that's D-R-A-P-E-R, therapies.com. And you can find all of their lines of products, which are, you know, more horse products. There are products for people and um, also for dogs there, but you can find the perfect polos on their website. All right, guys. So we're really excited to have Max Corcoran on the show with us today. She is the president-elect of the USCA, and she's been a groom, groomed at the international level uh, for nearly two decades. Uh, you probably know her from working with the O'Connor event team for more than 11 years, and she that means she's groomed at multiple Olympic Games, World Championships, the Pan American Games, basically all the biggest events you can think of. Max has been there. So Max, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Two decades just sounds really mean. <laughs> <laughs> but think it's, of all the wisdom you have. I know. So I, know. <laughs> I know. I started. I started early. No, I actually started quite late. But <laughs> she started yes. when she was ten. That's exactly. Why. That's right. Thank you, Jess. Yes. <laughs> well, so we published a story based off an interview I did with you. I did with you, Max, and it's gotten a ton of comments and engagement this week, and people are like really rallying behind some really important things you had to say. So I wondered if we should start there. You, you know, you and I talked about Americans and eventing, especially at the at the top level and how they compare to eventers from other countries and, and how that comes down to horse care. So why, why do you think Americans are lagging and why do you think that we're not seeing as many American horses doing, you know, multiple championships in a row? Basically, we're seeing riders take one horse all the way up to the top level. And then, you know, the next year they've got another horse. Right. Well, there, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, if we had a really good answer to that, we would probably fix it by now. But I think this country is really hard to compete in and to produce horses. And one of the main things is that the ground is so different every place you go. You know, if you, if you could ride and compete in Florida all year, if you could ride and compete in, you know, Pennsylvania, Virginia all year, you know, that would be great. But these horses have to deal with all these different types of footing, which I think is one of the one of the big factors. Um, I think the travel is also a massive factor. If you want to go on cold, hard, you know, fact type things like that. And then I think, too, it just the a lot of it, you know, like I said, in that um, the through our conversation, um, I think a lot of it is just trying to open people's minds to be proactive on these horses before they get an injury. You know, it's and talking a lot to some of these top physios and stuff, you know, American athletes, they spend their entire time or, you know, human athletes, shall I say, human athletes spend their entire time trying to make themselves so good that they never get injured, where we spend a lot of our thoughts and energy of what we can do once they get injured, instead of, you know, instead of making them so well and so balanced beforehand, before we start working them and stretched out and moving and doing all that, that I think we sort of, it's, it's a mindset. We just need to sort of, um, retrain ourselves to think that way. Gotcha. I mean, a good example that I know we talked about is Michael Young. Obviously, everyone knows him. He's been very successful. And we've seen him come back and ride Sam at multiple back-to-back championships and Correct. win them, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, then you get, that's why that's why he's so good, right? Because he, he can continue training on that horse and getting that and perfecting every last little movement and getting the, every last little score because he's, this horse is so well that they don't ever have to have a break. I mean, they have their holidays, but they don't have to, they're not, it's not a forced holiday. If that makes sense. So Max, I have a couple questions because everybody, you know, in this country, it is so hard for us to like, as yeah. little riders and everybody part of the program. And we all know that the team is essential to everybody, like everybody being part of it. But you mentioned a little bit, but like better strategies to like how we can care for the horses. Is it just about, you know, just the horses or you talked a little bit about the horsemanship and everything. Right. And, and a lot of it too comes right. And, you know, there's been interesting studies that I have very good friends with Mark Ravenel, who's a very, very good vet out in Portland, Oregon. Um, and he's he, amazing. Yeah, he is amazing. And so he, he's, his whole mindset and trying to do, he runs some of these, some workshops from once a year and I've been lucky enough to get to go to them. And one of the big things that all these, and he gets vets, farriers, physiotherapists, horse and human 
physiotherapist to come in and, and one of the big things that they see is the rider asymmetry um, and how much that affects horses, especially even right up to the top level. There was an interesting study that some people did last year about down in Wellington. They compiled data over six years about front end lamenesses. And most people are right-handed. And the majority of the soft tissue injuries that they had in Wellington, of the soft tissue injuries, it was something like 80% of them were all right fronts. Really? Which is really interesting. And they say that riders, the asymmetry of the rider, and, and, and it was interesting, the breakdown that they show. And even simple things, you know, just putting simple dots on horses' hips, like little markers, and then just videotaping them, trotting, cantering away from you and putting one in the middle of the saddle, one in the middle of each horse's hips at the top of the tail. And you can see how, if you know, how straight the rider is. You put a little piece of tape across the rider's shoulders and one down the straight of their back, and you can see how it affects the horses and you have them go each direction. And so there's kind of cool videos and they've been doing this in England and in Germany for a while now. And they go and they see the horses and riders at the beginning of the year and they get them. So they, you know, and cause I mean, what rider doesn't have a, a hitch in their giddy up? I mean, yeah. you're not an event rider if you don't have a, you know, a Couple hip or a rib. Or, exactly. Exactly. We all have collarbones. And so it's interesting. They get them. So they get the riders balanced. So then they can get the horses balanced, you know? So it's, and that's kind of just one of those interesting things that, you know, you're like, oh, well, that, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I mean, cause looking at it from ours, like we, I'm very fortunate to have gone to school and like dealt with a lot of major vets and have a very good eye myself, but like not everybody has that. And so putting it back to all of that, even, you know, the basics of the horsemanship for that is so important that, you know, we instill and we thank Courtney every day because she's got a great eye as well, but not everybody's unfortunate to have people like Max or Courtney. Yeah. Well, it's like, you don't, I mean, sometimes you just got to step back and have a look and be like, Ooh, he's getting a little yeah. fat or Ooh, he's looking, you know, he's losing some top line or while you're grooming him, why is his back sore? It's like, Oh, his back sore. Okay. Well, why is his back sore? It's like, well, let's put the saddle on. Saddle doesn't fit. Okay, good. Check that box off. Right. There's, there's horsemanship like that. And there's horsemanship. I think some of our conditioning programs, when the long format went away, I think that sort of took a toll on the horses and people are just sort of, you know, they're so busy training and drilling that they're they're not getting the conditioning part done I think you see tired horses break down yeah um, no matter what it is so you know there's just there's a whole bundle of it but it just to be able to maybe try to hopefully get people to think more proactively than reactively would be pretty cool I have a question jumping off of that um what do you suggest for the amateurs who are so like hungry to learn why do you think there are um, aren't more horsemanship programs out there for adults? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, there's people like Emma Ford and Cat Hill have these great uh, world-class grooming clinics that they do, and they travel all over the country. And they they don't they do uh, it's called world-class grooming, but they touch on all sorts of horsemanship type stuff as well because that's all part of grooming. And then there's other people that teach other horsemanship clinics. Like I'm doing one, I'm doing a three-part clinic series up at the Maryland Horse Trials or where Maryland Horse Trials is up with them throughout the summer. Um, And then there's other people that that do these clinics, but I don't think, you know, people I think were like, oh, I want to go, I want to go cross country on my horse. They don't want to be like, oh, I want to go learn about studs, right? So it's, (laughs) but they do, but they'd rather spend their money having a lesson from, you know, Boyd Martin which, you know, who wouldn't because he's great and he's entertaining and you get a lot out of it. But you know what I mean? Like there's a, I think the they money, forget about the basics. Right, exactly. And, and they don't learn the basics in the beginning because they, you know, it's just some people don't start to ride until they're 20, 30, 40, 50, you know? Right, right. And so yeah, they don't point. do that. And then these kids too, they, you know, the parents drop them off for the lessons and they're like, hurry up, get in the car. We got to go to a swim team. You know, they, they get, come on. It's um, an hour and they don't spend like we did where we grew up like, yes, you know, in yeah. the mud at the barn, you know, we were yeah. dropped off when school oh, yeah. was over and yeah. picked up I at got- dark. Yeah, exactly. And and even on the weekends, it's like, well, you know, when when can you take me to the barn? You were there, we brought your lunch with you and you're there all freaking yeah. day, right? After <laughs> breakfast. That's yeah, what the exactly. answer was. After breakfast, you're getting dropped yeah, off. Exactly. No problem. <laughs> yeah. And then you were there sort of all day and just learning and playing and being around them. But we don't, you know, society doesn't really let us do that anymore. And and like and I was saying in this article too, that the coaches, they're 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 teachers, not coaches which I think is also very different. There's people that teach lessons, right? And they're, they're very, very good at it, but they don't have time because they're 
trying to pay bills and do all these things. So they're not coaching these people in the whole realm of a, what you would say as a coach, right? You can get yeah. a tennis lesson, right? And right. then you can have a tennis coach who's going to look at your fitness and your nutrition and what kind of racket are you using? And, you know, those are better sneakers. Whereas a, you go for a lesson, it's just someone that, you know, throws a bunch of balls at you, like here, put your serve over there, turn your wrist a little bit, you know? So it's, I think we're lacking that as well in this country too. I think people don't take the time to be met, be mentored by people. Well, they're not part of a program. Like the kids right. that are invested in our program, like every day they have a part of the program. They know what the part of the program is. It's not you're on your own and you come in once a week. So right. it's hard for the once a weekers, like, and that's kind of where I think it gets lost and it's lost in translation. Absolutely. Of. Yep. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, there's, that, there's definitely that part to it too, but you know, how can we fix this? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I want to know. I, I have a, a technical question too, that Maybe it applies more to adult amateurs, but I feel like with the rise of Facebook and social media and Jess has heard me rant about this crap all the time, but as a horse owner, people are so like their first instinct now, is something is wrong, let's Google it or let's post in a Facebook group <laughs> yeah, and, Web you know, MD. like, yeah, yeah crowdsource <laughs> random Web people MD on the internet. Via- WebMD via Facebook's my favorite. Yeah. 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 And then they take random people on the internet that they don't know's word as verbatim as like science that this is going to help. And they're not learning from professionals like you or a vet or. So how do you, I mean, I mean. The the Chronicle forums. That's it. Oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like so many people, that's, that's just what we do now. It's what we're conditioned to do on our phones. And how do you, I mean, is that something that organizations like the USCA should take on and be like, excuse me, we're the, you know, we're the organization here. We're the professional organization. We, you should be talking to professionals about how to treat your horse or how, you know, how to be proactive about this. Like, I know that's, that's yeah, a, that's kind of a, a question. A, that's a kind of a open-ended <laughs> question, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure there's, um, you know, at the, you know, we have this instructor certification program that I don't think gets used widely enough through the USEA, um, and people, you know, and, and I think the instructors, the people that are certified, get a bit frustrated too because here they've spent all this time and money to get certified to be a, a instructor, and you know that maybe that's something that the USCA should do is to, you know could do should do whatever. I mean, this is we we a lot of things to do, but to you know be able to travel those questions out to some of these instructors that are able to help these people because there's you know there's directory where people can you know, call people, email people, you know, and they can, they can do that, you know, with, with, uh, you know, there's a director, someone that's local to them, right. To, to help them out for someone that's right there. Or, you know, there's might be somebody that's a specialist to young horses or somebody that's really good at, you know, the cross country versus dressage versus, you know, whatever it is, or, you know, problem horses, like, you know, someone like Doug, like is really good with the, with the problem horses. And, you know, there, there might be a way to, maybe sort of incorporate that into some of the questions that they have. So what's next for USEA? Where do you want to see things and the organization go? Oh, it is, you know, they have the greatest group of people that work there. They're amazing. And they'll do basically whatever you ask them to do. They're really cool. <laughs> they, they are, they really are. It's a really great group of people. They're, they're lovely, lovely people. You know, I think, you know, they, when I decided to take this on, someone said like, what's your, what's your mission going to be? You have to, you have to choose a goal that you want. And so, I mean, obviously I've chosen my goal, but you know, I think right now eventing for the most part is actually quite healthy. The numbers are quite good. The competitor numbers are quite good. I think, you know, there's the safety is quite good. Um, cross country safety, you know, in terms of cross, you know, the frangible pins and and all that kind of stuff, that's quite safe, you know, so there, there's all that. So I, wh- where we can go, I mean, I just hope we can get, you know, the instructor certification program had a very, very small bit of horsemanship in their, in their curriculum. And now they're going to do an online one where, you know, we're going to put together hopefully one, a bit of an um, module online that people are going to have to take for their continued education, which is actually kind of cool and exciting because that's something forward. But I think in general, our, our sport is quite, is quite healthy and, and doing quite well. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And it's it will be excited to see what you do next, Max. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you tell me what to do next. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Next I'm going to Kentucky and then, yeah, I'm like, I got, I got many braids to go before that. <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh my goodness. We will see you there. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. I know. I know. I was, uh, Matt Flynn is my next door neighbor and he was walking around today and he said, oh, what, what else do I have to think about? I said, you know what, uh, uh, you know, Matt, the hardest thing about Kentucky is actually pulling in the damn driveway. I said, yeah. once you, once you get in the driveway, it, you know, then you got some other stuff to worry about, but getting in the driveway is sometimes the hardest thing to do. <laughs> it's like absolutely all these people that are not, you know, that are, you know, horses have been getting scratched the very last minute. It's a long road to that weekend. So yeah, I was like, enjoy going in the driveway. You're going to love it. <laughs> when you pull in, it's like a yeah. sense of relief. It really is. And like, no matter, <laughs> seriously, and no matter how many years you do it, like, I think, what did someone count? I think it's like my 18th Kentucky or something ridiculous. Oh my gosh. And it's still, it's like every time you pull in, I mean, and I go in and out of there all the time because my, we're, we're based there in the summer and we'll go in and out for, you know, to show jump and stuff. And you know, it's like in and out, in and out, in and out. But when you pull in for Kentucky, it's just a whole, you're like, oh, here, whoo, here, here we are. <laughs> well, first step done. I made I it here. Like, whoo, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's, it is cool. And even, it's not even a horse that I know, you know, I know him well, but not, it's not one that I look after day to day. So it's even more special when it's your, your guy that you've been working on for a long time to get back, you know, it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Max, thanks so much for coming on. It's been great to chat with you, and and hopefully we'll have you on again. Excellent, sounds good. We'll see you guys. Thanks all for soon. coming. Okay. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. So, if you guys haven't tried Ice Horse yet, you totally should. They're effective, drug-free, and cost-effective methods for relieving the pain and the swelling. The cold therapy assists in the prevention of injuries and symptoms. I love just putting them on after a good ride or at a show, the cold inserts stay cold for like two hours and they're so soft and fluffy and all ice horse products are made in the USA. If you're interested in getting your own pair, you should check out icehorse.net. So I'm really excited to introduce our next guest, Kyle Carter. He is a five-star event rider who has represented Canada at the Pan American Games, World Equestrian Games, Olympic Games, all throughout his international career. And he and his wife, Jen, run Carter Eventing out of Florida. So welcome, Kyle. Hey, thanks for having me. So congrats on you had a really good finish at Ocala this past week, speaking of Ocala, but the Ocala at the horse park, you had what you did well on that ready or not mare. That is a super cool mare and a really sad story. And the three L Christy Edwards owned it. So thoughts out to her family, but it was really nice finish on her. Yeah, she was unbelievable all weekend. She was pretty green for the level, but she has just got I mean, she's got the biggest heart and, you know, we lost Christy last year in a car accident and her family's gone on and supported with her breeding program to produce some more horses and hopefully let Ready carry on and maybe someday go up to the five star up there in Kentucky. But just the, you know, the amount of, the amount of love and effort that they put into everything for me to be able to keep going with her is, is, is amazing. And she is just, the horse is, I mean, it's got, she's just got nothing but try in her. It's amazing. I love riding a good mare. And this, this one is, is certainly all heart. And you have a couple nice ones coming up. We're really excited to see a couple of those nice ones. Yeah, I got really lucky this last little bit. Um, I have a, a really nice horse called Galliard's Lancer, who was third last weekend in the, in the two short that I started riding this spring. And that one as well, I think is going to be a top horse. Blackstock's own him and um, they've, they've sort of are, are backing him to go on and, and, you know, hopefully represent internationally for the next few years. And then behind that, I've got this, I've just got this, I've got an incredible string at the moment, which never happens around here, but we also, we actually have owners on most everything, which is also a very rare thing. And for us, it's, that's you know, awesome. Oh, it's incredible. Great time. Great so time. Kyle, we're really excited that you're going to be hosting a cross-country analysis feels down in Kentucky next week. And I was hoping we could talk a little bit more about that. So obviously, this is an event that listeners, if you are coming to Kentucky, you should sign up for. You get to spend an hour with Kyle and basically ask him any question you want while cross-country is going on around the Kentucky Horse Park 
But Kyle, I wanted to know if you could touch on, you know, any tips you have for, you know, spectators who, you know, amateurs like me who are there to enjoy the show, but also, you know, maybe learn something in between drinking cocktails on Saturday. What should we be looking for as we're watching the pros whip around the cross country course? Like what, what could I learn from watching that? Well, the first thing I'd, I'd highly suggest is that Friday, go, make time to go walk around the course. It's long, and it's going to take a while. There's lots of um, course walks that go on. Jimmy Wofford does one. Uh, Boyd will do part of one. I'm doing one for Perina on Friday morning. But take advantage of that because you're going to get great insight into the jumps before anybody jumps them. And you're also going to see that sometimes that insight is actually inaccurate in what you what your anticipation is of what those jumps do and that's a little bit cool thing in this sport is every time we go out there to do a competition like that most of those jumps are new to us and we're going on the assumption of how our horses are going to read them and how a horse might read them and our reaction is way more important than the plan in the end in most cases so make sure you see it before they're riding it because when you see it beforehand you realize how big it is and how complex it is People will tell you at great length about the number of strides will go in between two fences. And then when the competition's on, it'll be something completely different. And <laughs> as it morphs, as it morphs into your, you know, your day on cross country, you kind of either go with it and you succeed or you get hidebound to your plan and you can't, and, and usually you see failure then. So I'd really recommend that first off and then make sure that as you go on Saturday and you're watching to make sure that you see the variety of the combinations. So make sure you set yourself up somewhere where you can see a lot of combinations and hopefully one of those jumbotrons. Watch the difference in how the horses gallop through the first two minute section, the mid section and the end section. And you're going to see different types of horses respond differently to the terrain and the length of the course. Some of them will, will, grow and become better as they go further they will look stronger and they'll look fitter and they'll look braver and then some of them will have the opposite go on and the rider has to respond to those those things and some horses that you expect to just jump around and think nothing of it don't always you know step up on the day and some of the riders don't so it's it's such a cool competition that way speaking of watching who are riders that we really should look for this year who do we really not want to miss who do you model your own riding after or after a horse? Well, as badly as I ride, I try to you know make sure I don't blame anybody for that. So I'm not modeling <laughs> my riding after this. But Oliver Towns is on a hot streak. He was on a hot streak last year, winning all over the place, and then was left off the world championship team. So uh, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's coming to you know show Full them force. again that they were, they were wrong to make that. Um, decision. He just won a bunch of divisions last weekend, I think at Belton. So you're, you did, there's one that you have to watch because you're watching one of the best riders in the world. And no matter what goes on with whatever horse he has, he has no stamp of a horse he'll ride, but he always rides for a competition. So you're, you're, you have to watch that, that person hold him up and, and really uh, learn from the competitive nature of him. Uh, Will Coleman is always someone that I love watching because Nobody rides with the style that he rides with. It's, uh, I mean, he's, he's just so classy on a horse. Um, Jess, is Doug riding there on Van Diver? Yes, yes, they're yeah. looking good. There's another one. You just, I mean, when you watch Doug and you watch Will, you're watching American riding the system at its highest amount of success. Um, their style is so flawless, and yet they're also able to um, inspire a horse, which is, I think, a lot of times the technique in America is very successful, but the actual inspiration is is lacking. And that is a hard thing to put together. And those two really do that. So I definitely put them up there. Bach on Carlevo. Carlevo, yep. I love that horse. Yeah, that, that horse is probably the best horse or one of the best horses in the country at the moment. I think he's coming into his own. I don't think he's going to get the win or anything this weekend, but that horse is an inspiration to watch. It is beautiful. It does, shows all the athleticism of a top horse and Buck always goes for, you know, to be competitive as well and knows, I mean, he knows his way around that park as well as anybody. So I would highly recommend that. And then obviously Liz Halliday, I think you've got your, your shot of an American winner there. The Denira uh, horse is super awesome. Yeah. And she's, and she's, 
you know, obviously she's been untouchable over here right now, but she is such a class rider. She's so competitive. And she, to me, over the last three years, has taken her riding to a level where she doesn't have the, she used to have like one or two moments where you're like, well, you know, that could just be cleaned up a little bit. And she is absolutely. She stepped into her own lately. She is freaking really stepped up. So I would, I would highly recommend that. And that horse is, I mean, it's beautiful to watch. You know, I don't think you're going to see a bad horse there. There's a few there that you are, that are going to be very workmanlike and maybe not super inspiring, but you can't ride around that course without having something that either has a so much heart that it can overcome the physical part or so much physical that it never has to go to its heart. I mean, it's, it's just such a, a great test that way. Absolutely. So speaking of like, you know, changing gears a bit, but like coaching young riders, you've brought up quite a bit of young riders through the levels and, you know, teaching them basically everything and all your knowledge. Tell us like for the listeners and stuff a little bit, like kind of your tips for those up and coming riders. What would you tell, you know, some of them, or what would you tell your old self at like 18? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can, I can answer that one easily. What I would have told myself, my old self at 18 would have been to get myself into a program that worked me around all the pitfalls and potholes instead of having to run into every single one of them to learn to avoid them. Yeah. And really in coaching young riders, that's, I think the, the biggest thing we do here is a lot of times the kids aren't even aware that there are problems that can happen because they're, you know, they're, they're being successful and we've been fairly fortunate with that. And sometimes that doesn't carry on when they leave because they're not aware that they're, that they're being guided around those, those holes. They didn't um, know that they all, even existed sometimes. No, absolutely. And, and, and the, which is, which is sort of the goal to, you know, make sure that they get to those levels without, you know, you yeah, want to <laughs> yeah, have them, you want to have them some, you know, so, so solid that when they get there, they can rely on that training. And I've been really fortunate in the kids that we brought on and gone up to that level with, they all stuck in here when things were going really badly at times, like I remember yeah. Emily Renfro was having like eight or nine rails in her advanced career. And then at the end of her advanced career with, with her horse, it was jumping around double clear like every weekend. And I said to her, I was like, I'm just grateful that she stuck it out so we could find the solution to it instead of trying to, everybody was wants to change the, you know, to the different coach or whatever, but there is, you have to find a program that that is successful in actually producing what you want to be don't fall for the well that's a great rider so i'm going to ride with them because that doesn't work what no. works is saying i am this person and i need to get you know let's say i want to go to rolex or not rolex but land rover and i want to achieve success there well then you need to be in programs that have done that and can show you that so ask for a resume of what a program has done if a program if you go to a program or a coach and they can say how great they are, but they can't actually show you a resume of success. Well, then that's just salesmanship. And that's easy to do. What you want to do is say, I have produced these number of people and horses, and this is why you should have faith in me. And then recognize that sometimes, I mean, my program isn't for everybody. My, I mean, the way I coach isn't for everybody and that's fine. I'm not going to change the way I coach people to fit everybody in. I'm going to stay the way I coach to be successful with the people I work with. And that's, um, you know, that you have to develop that over time and get confident enough with that. And that's the other thing is I've been lucky enough to have such a plethora of riders to work with. I got to learn how to coach and I don't think many people get to that point. You know, I think we'll be able to coach so many different people and so many different types of people, I guess I should say. I wanted to go back to that tricky situation you were talking about with dropping all those rails do you have any tips for, you know, amateurs and up and coming riders for those oh crap moments and how to, you know, ride through those situations instead of getting discouraged and, you know, kind of shutting down? Absolutely. I got two probably real valid ones. First of all, on that whole idea of like, okay, so I've got a, I've got a horse that's a bad show jumper or I've got a horse that's bad in dressage. Well, the first thing people do is they always go, well, I'm going to go to a show jumper and get help. Now, maybe that is what's needed. Maybe your show jumping is your, your, your riding that's not up to it or your dressage is, is the problem. But if you have a horse that's difficult in those two phases, dressage people don't work with ridiculous 
out of the box, crazy, you know, losing its mind type horses because they're not doing dressage if they're doing that. Show jumpers don't don't train horses that have five and six rails because it's not a show jumper then. They work with horses that want to jump clear and they're trying to make sure that they only have, you know, that they're clear every time they go in the ring. So work with someone that actually has some experience with what dealing with and realize that a show jumper deals with show jumpers and they don't very often work with horses that are bad, bad show jumpers, because that would be a stupid way to be in business. (laughs) They're not very good. (laughs) And then the other part is, and this is really hard to do, and I certainly struggle with it all the time, is you have to be able to put every, you have to be able to put it behind you. At some point on every four-star course, you typically have one moment where you're like, and you get away with it. And either at that point you go, I'm just going to put everything back in the box and quietly bring this horse home, which might be the right decision. Or you're going to say that was one moment. And now I'm going to go on and not have another one of those moments. And how you handle those things is you have to be able to remember what has influenced the horse. And then also remember that your job is to, is to not buy into the, the problem that happened, but to buy into the solution. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Kyle. I'm glad that we had you on and uh, can't wait to have a beer with you at Kentucky next week. And everybody, please join the course walk with Kyle. It'll be so much fun. And it's not really a course walk. It's more of a he'll kind of analyze it. And it's it's so much fun. Doug and I did it years ago. So you guys will have a lot of fun with Kyle. You'll be in good hands. He's he's awesome and hysterical and very fun to have a beer with. So everybody go find him. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks. Kyle. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Whether you need a water solution for one horse in a stall, two in the backyard, or 40 head in the pasture, the classic equine by Richie line of waterers provide trouble-free, worry-free access to water on demand. Visit classicequinebyrichie.com for more information. Richie, fresh water for life. All right, guys, it's time for Rose and Thorn. Ellie, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So since I moved to Pennsylvania, I had the chiropractor out just yesterday to adjust my rainer and my jumper. And the chiropractor kept saying how they were so sweet and good natured, which was really nice to hear. And then he said that they were two of the most impressive horses he'd seen in terms of their ranges of motion and just how good they were conditioned and stuff yeah so like as a young professional it was just really nice to get some like affirmation from like you know a veterinarian that my horses are being you know maintained well and conditioned well so that was really nice to hear because everyone always needs a little bit of a confidence boost every once in a while you know oh totally uh so my thorn is i'm pretty sure that i'm cursed and so every time that my boyfriend and I try to put up new fencing. Like, I think I told you guys that it was all high tension wire when I moved in. Yeah. It, but it starts snowing like every time. And like the first time I was like, okay, it's understandable because it's, you know, winter. But the other day it was 55 and sunny and it was windy, but it wasn't that bad. You know, we were listening to music we're in short sleeve shirts, you know? And then when we got to the point where like, all right, we had to like finish what we were doing. We couldn't just put everything down and say, all right, you know, done for the day. Literally it dropped like 30 degrees and started snowing. Oh so my gosh. It was not fun. So global warming is a thing, but it might be caused <laughs> by me putting up fences. Oh I really gosh. don't know. I'm going to mail you a sage stick. This is, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not somebody who believes in all the like, Oh my gosh. On, uh, but I, I have a, a garden in my yard, like a vegetable garden. And I have this giant sage bush that I like, there's nothing I could do with it. Like there's only so much sage we can put on chicken that we eat. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I started creating these sage sticks where you, it's like I pull the sage out and then I use a little bit of like thyme and rosemary and a few other things. And then I bind them together with twine and dry them out. And then you're supposed to light them and smolder them and they're supposed to protect your house. You know, like if you've seen the exorcist, that's what they walk around in all the rooms and smoke it out. I'll send you a sage stick. Thank you. I, I would appreciate it. <laughs> oh Actually, no, fun fact about sage sticks. I, 
I called an equine like psychic one time to talk to my horse. And okay, this lady was like legit. She was in like practical horsemen and like on Animal Planet. So I thought like, okay, you know, but my horse was like really nervous at a place I was boarding. And she told me to burn sage and like just go around in his stall to get rid of the negative (laughs) energy. I never did. I just moved him. I just, I just bought a farm <laughs> instead. <laughs> I should have just bought stage. <laughs> but yeah, so. I'll mail you one. I appreciate it, Justine. <laughs> That's awesome. Justine, do you have your rose or do you want me to go? No, I can go. I can go. So I, my rose is that my show season is probably over, but it ended oh. really well. It's not a, it's a good rose. So my big green bean thoroughbred just he just way impressed me this year. I mean, he he won like almost everything. I really I really can't complain. Everything I asked him to do, we went eventing, we went to dressage shows, we did a lot of hunter stuff and more competitive hunter stuff and we just had a horse show this weekend and we did our first hunter derby and I was just really proud of him. He's just really risen to the occasion and makes me really Really excited for the future with him, but it's just getting so hot. Like, this horse show was, like, 90 degrees on Sunday. It was crazy. Oh, Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. It's already summer. It's just unbelievable how hot it is. So, it's just, it's time to start slowing down for him since he's not a good sweater. But I'm just, like, I'm really in love with my horse right now. Everything's going really well, and um, I'm really excited to to do more with him because I think he is, you know, mentally there. Like, he's ready to go and do it. So, I'm... I'm very happy with my horse. My thorn is I have I have a funny story <laughs> from the oh, horse no. show this weekend. My oh, poor boy. husband. So we get to the horse show and I like I trailer myself and stuff, but I don't like to trailer by myself. So usually my husband comes and like helps me get set up and then he goes home. So he did that. <laughs> <laughs> he did that and he went and like met his buddies for a beer, like at a brewery. Like that was kind of close by, that kind of thing. And I just told him, like, okay, I'll text you when I'm leaving and to meet up with you later because we were staying at, fam- like, family's house that was closer to the showgrounds than where I live. And um, it was a really big horse show. It was just a busy horse show. Like, all the stalls were f- full, and there was just a ton of horses in the ring. And my horse was a little more up than he normally was, so schooling-wise took longer than usual. And so I had texted him and I was also waiting for like the the hottest part of the day to pass before I got on. Like I didn't want to ride him like right in the middle yeah, of the day. At noon. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we got set up and then I kind of hung out for a while, you know. And so I texted my husband like when I was getting on, like, okay, finally getting on. And I meant like I'm finally getting in the tack to go school. And he took that as like I'm finally getting on the road to drive home. And so like two hours go by, an hour and a half, two hours go by and I'm riding my horse. He was up, you know, like I, I rode for longer than I normally would and made sure he saw all the showgrounds and schooled in most of the rings. And I'm, I get back to the barn and I'm untacking him and I'm at the wash rack and I just see my husband drive in, in his car, like a lunatic, like a total <laughs> madman, just like peeling out into the horse show grounds. He sees me and he comes like running over and I'm like, what's wrong? And he was like, have you checked your phone? And I'm like, no. And so now I'm thinking someone's dead. You know, I'm like, what do you mean? I haven't checked my phone. And uh, apparently he thought I was dead the whole time. Because because <laughs> <laughs> he thought I had left and was driving home and then had called me and I didn't respond. And then like an hour went by and I didn't respond. So then he called my oh, parents. No. Then he called oh, his no. parents. Then he called my barn owner. So then I I, said, Justine, to fix this, we're going to have to get you an Apple watch so that you can then realize when your husband is losing his mind. So, you know what he said? He was like, I thought this is why you got the fanny pack. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It all comes back. Did you say, say, yes, I cannot wear a fanny pack at this or show. I was like, this is too nice of a horse show. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> so I ended up having like literally 45 missed calls from my oh parents, my from my in-laws. <laughs> my barn owner was calling all of the other local bar- like trainers in the area who oh she, know- she knew was at the horse show too to be like, can you look out for this tall blonde girl who rides a big chestnut thoroughbred? You know, so I had like random numbers. I didn't even know who had called me. No. But ended, you know, end of story, I was alive. Uh, nothing was wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go into my thorn on that one because somebody, because of you, sent me this thing for a baby fanny pack that you can carry your babies in a fanny pack. 
What? Like, like you're a kangaroo? Like you have a pouch? Oh, yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. It's like. Wouldn't that be uncomfortable? I don't know. But I was like, really? This is what I get because of Justine. <laughs> because it literally, this afternoon, it says, Jess, for your next baby, a fanny baby pack. Oh and it's God. literally a baby carrier belt. Wow. So the baby could sit on your lap and you don't have to hold it, apparently. I don't know. But I was Strap. like, wow. <laughs> that is my thorn, is that every week I get things reminded me of a fanny pack. You have to post <laughs> All the a time. picture of it in the Facebook group. I will post a picture of this video that I got sent of this. So <laughs> oh that is going to be my thorn this week because I really didn't have one except for the fact that I keep getting reminded of fanny packs. So it's priceless that your thorn had your fanny pack included, but it wasn't part of your thorn. And then my rose, which will end rose and thorn on this, is I got to hit one of my bucket list things this week. I got to go to the master's. Actually, it was last week. So, but I got to go with uh, Doug and I went on Thursday, and then Doug and Courtney went on Sunday, and we got there and followed Tiger. Like, it just happened to be we were like walking in. We went later because we didn't want to be there right at eight o'clock. So, went and watched like a set, and then the next one on the tee from the first tea was tiger and then we kind of like followed him around walked the whole course and so to have him win was I mean it's an incredible win for him as well like I mean he's back and it was one of the most incredible comebacks so that will be my rose probably for this whole year is that I got to go to the masters and see tiger play that's pretty cool that's awesome did you and Doug cry (laughs) so I'm not a crier (laughs) And I don't really deal with criers. Like, I don't even know what to do. I just kind of sit there awkwardly and I'm like, uh, what do you do when somebody cries? Like, we're just not criers. So no, no crying. And, but Doug and Courtney did get to see him play on the 16th hole, which was like the monumental hole for him. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Super, super cool. So we watched on TV and then I went and picked them up. uh, A friend of mine and I went and picked them up from the masters. So it was super cool. So what was the, what were the grounds like? And I know they don't let you take your phone in, right? So that's the unbelievable part. Like, first off, nobody, you have thousands and thousands of people and you're like back in time. There's no selfies. There's no pictures. There's nothing. Nobody is taking phones. Nobody's taking, because I guess you can bring cameras through like the practice rounds, but Thursday on, you can't have a camera. You can't have a phone. You can't have basically anything. Mm-hmm. So it's super cool. And the grounds are the most incredible. Like the upkeep is, it doesn't look like 5,000 people. There's no divots on the course there. It's super cool. When you go on the concessions, there's no labels. So if you get like a Coca-Cola, it's in a master's cup. Everything has master's mm-hmm. on it, but they don't have, they're not branded. They're not, it's not marketing. It's not, you don't see Coca-Cola. You don't see Pepsi. You don't see like you see what kind of sandwiches. Oh, and the sandwiches, the food is incredible. But the sandwiches are like a dollar fifty for like an egg sandwich. It's wow. literally like going back in time. Hmm. That's fascinating. So it is we need more horse shows like the Masters. Yeah, right? right. And I mean, that's the thing is like that they've kept this going for that long that they actually can get all these people to come and there's not one marketing sign. There's not, you know, it's literally like you're back in time before advertising for any of it. And you're just at peace, basically just watching a really good game of golf. That's cool. I'm so yeah. glad you got to do that. That's pretty neat. Uh, it was, it was awesome. So I do have a mailbag question that I wanted to see if you guys had any tips. This is from Jess, who's in our Facebook group. And she wants to know if we have any advice for breaking in new riding boots. So she just got a new pair and she says she's been wearing them around her house, stretching her heels and her calves on the stairs. And she just needs them to relax a little bit in the ankle and drop about half an inch. So do you guys have any tricks or hacks that you use to break in your riding boots? I have an old cowboy trick. I don't know. I haven't done it. it. I haven't done it for my tall boots, but I've done it for like basically every other boot ever. But so you, it's not very comfortable, but you put your socks in like hot water and then you put your socks on and then put your boots on 
And it's basically just kind of like, you know, like those um, boot stretching, like sprays and stuff you can put in. Mm-hmm. It's basically like it just gives you a little bit of um, moisture to help the leather kind of expand and kind of mold to your foot. Interesting. Okay. Wow. What about you, Jess? Do you have any tips? I don't really even have any hacks. We just basically suffer through it and ride in it. And then we just do a lot of like conditioning and stuff like that to kind of break in the leather. But honestly, we just ride as much as we can and we walk in them. Like we make sure everybody kind of just every time I get a new pair of boots or one of the kids gets a new pair of boots or whatever, I'm like walk around the barn, muck stalls in them, do everything, just like live in them. So I don't have any good hacks, unfortunately. I know a lot of people like heel lifts that you can buy and it's basically like an insole you add to, you know, to your boot. Um, yeah. Kind of at least it puts your heel up a little bit to kind of help with like the pain in your ankle while they're breaking in. I've never used them before, though. I'm like you. I just suffer through it. I just make sure I wear Band-Aids, you know, and kind of suffer through it. Yeah. But, uh, or thicker socks that day, basically. Exactly. And it's just something like over time, you know, it'll get better. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, I think the most important thing is, like, you've just got to, like, sweat in them. Like, getting some kind yeah. of moisture is what's going to help the leather to, you know, be what it's supposed to be. Good point. So, anyway, Jess, if you find any interesting tips along the way, please share them with us in the Facebook group. I will. And if you guys have a question for us, uh, you can email us at hello at heelsdownmedia.com or you can always post in the Facebook group, which you can search for by searching for the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. If you want to hear more from us, please subscribe to the Heels Down Brief by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. And if you love our show, we would love it if you guys would leave us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher or wherever you listen to us. And we want to thank our partners this week, Flare Strips, Draper Therapies, Ice Horse, and Classic Equine by Richie. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Next week, I'm going to see you, Jess. I can't wait. I'm so jealous. You guys have fun. We'll get you. We'll get, we'll all get together one of these days, Ellie. Absolutely. To an event. I'll just be here (laughs) drowning in mud, but you guys have fun. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.